I'm Bob Cudmore, and this is Talk of the Town on Magic 590, also heard on 100.5. Plus, we're carried on two stations in the North Country, 1410 AM and 96.9 FM. Joining us is Albany County Executive Daniel McCoy, a native and a resident of the city of Albany. Dan McCoy became county executive in 2012 after serving 12 years as a county legislator. I'm putting in kind of a bit of the bio because you recently announced that you're seeking a third term. Why, why do you want to run again? You know, it's an exciting job, and there's so much more still to uh, help continue to turn county government around, but so much more new services we can introduce to people to give them a better opportunity. It's still a part of my uh, equity agenda that I've been doing the last couple of years and still have more to complete. You seem like you like your work. I do. I really enjoy it. I, I enjoy it because you can actually see the difference you make in people's lives. And, and when you talk to somebody and you start a new program and you see that they have a nice outcome, that's what it's all about. You made the announcement that you're running for your third term with the sheriff, who, interestingly enough, was on this program last week. And I believe that was the, the date. Well, anyway, you both made the announcement together. Do you run as a team? We, we do. We, we just were fortunate enough to uh, hook up in 2011. And you know what, Bob? I, I say to everyone, it's, it, things work better in a partnership. You know, we, we don't, the sheriff and I don't always agree on everything. But at the end of the day, it's about giving services to the same people I represent and the same people he represents. And and though our, our jobs have different functions, uh, we, we've come to grasp like the opiate epidemic, really working together on the opiate epidemic to make a difference in, in the lives of people here. Because this is a you know this this is our, our plague of this of this century. This is this is something that's been going on and will continue to go on until we change the way we we prescribe pills, uh, the way doctors give them to kids that are youth youth, and uh, and we change the, the manufacturers for the way that they've been producing them. One thing I want to ask you about elections, and I want to stump you on this, but I saw some in the coverage of your running again and, and Sheriff Craig Apple. Um, are, are elections going to be somehow different this year? Yes, absolutely. The state of New York uh, decided to move the elections up to make them earlier um, because, you know, Congress has changed, dates were changed, and it costs a lot of money, and, and they're not reimbursing us. So uh, they, our primary now is June 25th. Uh, usually it's in September. Usually petitions hit the street about June time frame, that, like the second week of June. Now petitions are going to be out on the street February 26th, and uh, you'll have to April 1st, I believe, right in that neighborhood, to file petitions if you want to challenge anyone. And that's going to be different because it's still winter, it's still cold, mm-hmm. uh, so you have to go out and get signatures. And you know, there's not, a, you know, it's still dark. It's dark around five thirty, six o'clock at night. So it's going to be challenging for a lot of people. And we're not used to voting in June. We haven't voted in June in this county since I think '04 when we had to run back-to-back years under a, a redistricting lawsuit. So it's going to be challenging to get the people that are used to focused on September sure. yeah. to now be focused on June. And with you know, New York State, we're, we're one of the lowest uh, turnout states in. This this nation for mm-hmm. voting. So uh, does this put us at a disadvantage or maybe this helps us? So we have to educate the voters and get it out to everyone and let them know that the election has been moved up. There's been an ongoing uh, story about the county election board. And uh, you were just telling me that the county legislature has agreed with your proposal to move the board of elections from Central Avenue to the former motor vehicle office on South Pearl Street in the city of Albany. The election commissioners, or maybe not all of them, but 
some oppose the move, citing safety concerns in that part of uh, Albany. Uh, why do you think this is a good move? Well, first and foremost, I, I was you know I was not surprised by the Republican commissioner's response to this uh, move. Uh, you know, it's a typical you know I don't want to be in that bad neighborhood. I'm better than them. Uh, but I was surprised by our Democratic commissioner going along with the Republican. But where it's a good move is I'll say to your listeners. If you are renting a house and you own a house and you can move you can move into the house that you own and stop paying rent, wouldn't it make sense to save the taxpayers money to move into that house that you already own? And that was the same situation when DMV decided to move out and go to Central Avenue. It gave us a unique opportunity, and the lease happened to come up at the same time at the BOE. So we were spending over $350,000 a year to house the Board of Elections there, plus other fees on top of that that they charge us for. So roughly anywhere, it could be anywhere to over 400000 to under 400000 So it was pure, you know, it was a pure uh, financial standpoint. Mm-hmm. To move them was good, but also into a neighborhood that, uh, you know, has a low turnout uh, for voting. So we have an opportunity with early voting now because, oh, the, let your listeners know, you can vote 10 days early now. So, you you know, from the June 15th to the 25th of June, you can go out and you can vote. You can go to the Board of Elections and drop your absentee or just vote on the machine there. So this will really help educate people in the, uh, to come mm. out and vote. It will give an early site for early voting. Um, but again, at the end of the day, it was it was a good move. And it's a great neighborhood. You got a school district there. You got the fire department there. You got the police department there. Uh, great people in that neighborhood. And what they have said about these people to me as county executive, and I come from that neighborhood, mm-hmm. um, is, is very disheartening. And it's not the right message we should be sending as politicians. You uh, delivered your State of the County address not long ago, and I imagine you'll be hitting these uh, themes uh, during the campaign. Uh, You described Albany County as strong, leading all New York counties when it comes to innovation and development. Can you expand on that? You know, when when I took over back in 2011, you know, we were borrowing $15 million a year to uh, make payroll. Uh, we we had like seventeen or sixteen out of the eighteen unions that weren't negotiated and were overdue since like oh eight. Um, we've turned things around, and by turning things around, we've given different opportunities, and we've gotten smarter, smarter in the way like the way we deliver services. Our probation department, we were just I just testified down in New York State Senate um, for different things, and they asked about how I felt about immigrants getting free driver's license and all this stuff to drive in this country, and they said, look, I run a probation department. And twenty percent of my people on probation don't have IDs, and they can't get IDs. We, you know, they don't. They don't have Social Security. They don't have certificates of birth. Um, they don't have records. Their parents didn't keep records, or they're homeless. And we can't get them IDs to get a driver's license to get a job. And we did a partnership with DMV, the first of its kind in New York State, where we're giving a five-hour uh, permit class to them and getting them IDs, getting them driver's license, helping them to dress to success to get them on their feet to basically get jobs, not reoffend, and get off probation early. Innovation programs like this are turning the county around. We have Project Growth doing the same thing. Uh, we're doing a variety of initiatives that we've gotten uh, recognized by Harvard. We've gotten recognized by uh, NACO uh, for being national leaders in the way we're doing things. And the other big thing that I'm doing is trying to get kids to stay out of the juvenile detention uh, uh, system. And a study in King County, Seattle, mm-hmm. uh, or I'm sorry, King County, Washington. Washington. Uh, basically states that uh, if a kid doesn't act, interact with the detention center as a youth, 
They don't interact as an adult. And we're going to try to do this program here in Albany County and make a difference in people's lives. Mm. Well, how would that be different? I mean, what are you going to do with the juvenile detention center? Well, I mean, under Raise the Age, more kids are going to be going into the juvenile detention center. But we're going to run some programs to keep kids away from it. Not If they get in trouble, try to come out with a different um, outcome. Incarceration is not working. Putting people in jails, we're, we're, the, we're the number one in this world for incarcerating people. Well... Is it working? Because you, you go to mm-hmm. our jails, and I was giving a presentation out at Harvard over oil one time, and we're like, we got talking to other county executives, and we said, like, if you come to our jail, and you didn't come into Albany County, and you walked it, you you, you would think we're predominantly a minority community, um, because there's a disadvantage for people that are poor, or, you know, you, you talk mm-hmm. about the marijuana debate, that for whatever reason are in jail, we got to stop that. Or the new, uh, I'm fully supportive of the no uh, bail bond, basically when a defendant goes in front of the judge, if they can't can't afford to uh, bail themselves out, they go to prison and they sit up there. And sometimes by the time they get to trial, they already served their time. The judge goes, oh, but you did 30. And now they lose their jobs. Now they lose anything that they have. So we're going to do a variety of programs that we can continue to turn the lives of people around. You think that'll pass this year? It has to pass the Yeah, no, no, I believe that's going to pass. The no bail bond's going to pass. And with the Juvenile Detention Center, we're going to try to be innovative in the way we deliver services. And in, in, in the aspect of that, um, again, if these kids don't touch the system, they're not going to do it as adults. Now, I want to go back in one of your answers the past couple of minutes. Yeah. Did you say that Albany County won praise from NATO? Oh, uh, uh, NACO. Na- oh, uh, NACO. Na- I'm sorry. <laughs> National County is early. I thought it's it early. was the North the, American it, Treaty. Or the, no, no, uh, no, 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 no. I'm the, sorry. Yeah. No, 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 na- no. National County Associations. Of, National uh, Association yeah, of, of counties, yeah. County Organizations. We're, we're talking with uh, Dan McCoy, who is County Executive of Albany County. He's our guest on Talk of the town heard on Magic 590, 100.5 FM in Albany, and also were carried on two stations in the North Country, 96.9 FM and 1410 AM. I'm Bob Cudmore. We'll be back in just a moment. Talk of the Town continues with Dan McCoy, our guest. He is Albany County Executive. I'm Bob Cudmore. This program heard on Magic 590, also 100.5, and on two radio signals in the North Country, 1410 AM and 96.9 FM. How has Albany County been faring in this year's winter weather? You know, we're, we're doing pretty good. And uh, you and I were talking earlier, It's uh, we've been spoiled. We haven't had the tough winters, but uh, it's kind of funny. People forget about it. They forget how to drive in the snow. Uh, you know, we, we're trying to stay ahead of it. My DPW department, they do a phenomenal job led by Lisa. And uh, the, the men and women at DPW keep our roads clean. We have over 600 miles of roads that we have to maintain. You know, it's a lot of roadways, but uh, we, they do a great job, the men and women. And uh, I tell you what, I get a lot of praises, very few people unhappy. You've brought up the subject of uh, opioids. How is Albany uh, County, uh, are, are you expanding the lawsuit against the manufacturers of opioid uh, painkillers? A- absolutely. Um, we're, we're the first, uh, first and foremost, I got elected as president of county executives back in July of, of last year. So one of the efforts, I'm co-chair of the National Opiate Task Force on a national level. So I've been working with county executives across this nation about the problems of the opiate epidemic. And like I was saying, uh, it's a tragedy what's been going on, like Purdue, 
pharmaceutical, uh, other ones have misled the public and uh, the medical community about the advent or the effects of this dangerous drug. So um, in Cleveland, Ohio, with Judge Posters, we've been making motions, and I have to tell you, um, I'll be making an announcement at the end of this month about some of the decisions that came out of it. But one of them was they upheld everything that we argued about and uh, everything from the RICO law to everything else. This judge is holding these pharmaceuticals liable uh, because they knew about it. And, and one of the, the, the family members, uh, Slacker, or um, he, he basically mm-hmm. put an email out saying we have to blame the, 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 the people that are on these drugs, the ones that are a- addicted. We have to push the blame on them. And we're like, no, 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 I'm, I'm going to use the, the law to basically come after you and your family uh, because they, they're aware of this. They, they, on the backs of people, and we've lost more people in a year than we've lost in Vietnam. And uh, I believe that number's up to 122 people now a day that we're losing. Uh, it's a tragedy. I mean, 122 people. So we've inter- introduced Narcan training to everyone here in Albany County. We offer it for free. We offer Narcan for free. Um, we're, we, we just did a mobile crisis uh, team that we're doing. It's different, 24-7. The mobile crisis team basically will respond to every opiate epi- uh, overdose in this county. And not just for the person, the, the, the patient, but for the family and for the friends to give them the support that they need, but also get the data for law enforcement and for ourselves of saying, why is this happening? Why does this continue to happen? Who's on the team? Uh, our, our Department of Mental Health okay. will be leading this. These, these are our professionals that are dealing this. You know, so there'll be counselors from addiction. There'll be uh, people that will help them to show the network of support, where the parents can send them to, or the person, if it's an adult, uh, where they can go to rehab, how they can get help, and be that, be that shoulder for them, kind of, so when they come out of the hospital, that they're not alone. Because sometimes some of them are alone, so, or sometimes the families are just so fed up, they just don't know what to do. So it's there to listen to the family when they're crying, saying, I've done everything I can, and we're like, well, we're going to help you get Mm -hmm. them straightened out. Let me turn to another social issue, if you will, um, or problem in society. What what is the Crime Victims Sexual Violence Center? You know, Karen Ziegler, who uh, leads this department, um, she is one of the best uh, dedicated and fantastic employees I've ever met, um, who's just puts her love and passion into this department. But our center's been, um, it, it has been, and still is, is a regional, state, and national leader in the support of women, particularly those harmed by sexual and domestic violence. So the department continues to win grant funding to allow men and women alike, because a lot of people don't like to talk about this. Men are uh, get raped, just like women, uh, but it's tougher for, for, for whatever reason, suffer for a guy to come forward to say this happened to them. So we have just as much support as, as, as we do for women. But um, basically, to uh, to women alike to heal from trauma and live productive lives, you know. So again, we're there in the community, um, walking them through this and letting them know uh, we're still there a year later. We have a rape crisis hotline. We have a team that will respond to a hospital if someone's raped to to walk them through it to help them. Um, because you know, I don't want to say that uh, hospitals or emergency rooms are insensitive, but uh, you know they're busy and they got a lot of stuff going mm-hmm. on. And we'll send someone in there that can basically be that rock for them uh, that can talk them through. And a lot of the counselors that we have, some of them, they've been through it. They've been raped and they've they've been through the trauma so they can really relate to the person going through this. I wish we didn't have to do this. Mm-hmm. I wish this didn't happen in t- now and today. Uh, it does and unfortunately will continue, but uh, we're always going to be there for, for men and women and, and children of this county. Let me uh, ask you about um, 
an effort to honor um, a late veteran, uh, Charles Chandler of Albany, died in the Vietnam War trying to save a fellow soldier. He was awarded a Bronze Star and a Purple Heart. Uh, he was uh, recently honored by Albany uh, County. Can you explain that? Oh, yeah. That, that, uh, he basically, um, unfortunately, um, his family's been around a long time, and um, we just honored him. And we, we do um, a deceased veteran here, and we've been doing it, and I have to say it goes back to uh, two of my predecessors that started this, uh, uh, Mike Hoblock, who basically started this with hmm. then Congressman Mike McNulty, uh, and they fly a flag over the Capitol, and we, and we honor veterans that have passed away. So uh, unfortunately, this guy was a medic. He was 20 years old. He worked at the VA hospital, got drafted, and... Um, they were going to save a platoon of paratroopers mm-hmm. that were uh, basically under fire, lost a couple people, and when they were in the truck, they, there was a firefight going up front and someone was yelling for medic. This guy got out and grabbed his friend's M16 and, and his friend said that he never saw his rifle again or him, and he went down to save these soldiers, got shot and died four days later of his wounds. And uh, you know, again, here's somebody that gave the ultimate sacrifice. But we like to remind your listeners, people might be gone and you know, our freedoms aren't free. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you can you can say what you want to say in this country, believe in who you want to believe in, worship who you want, because men and women have put their life on the line for this country. So it was a great honor to uh, give it to him and his family. His brother was there, his sister, his relatives, and actually one of my uh, uh, public defenders, alternate public defenders, who runs the office, Sherry Brooks, it was her uncle, so she got to actually hmm. speak about him and uh, and talk about it, and they have named uh, some of the kids in the family after him, so no one forgets in the family uh, this this guy that gave so much to this country. Yeah, I thought it was uh, touching that, that, that I read a news story about this, that the family today saying they were so appreciative of him being remembered now. I mean, this was a long time ago. <sighs> yeah, but, it was but, 49 years ago, yeah, almost. But people, you know, they, they want to be reminded, you know, to keep his name well, alive. Well, that's it. And, and that's the great thing about the CEAS program. And that's actually why I started a living veteran, too, to just really highlight what these men and women have done serving this country. And whether you agree with war, you agree with whatever's going on in this country, these men and women don't do it for the uniforms. They don't do it for the pats. They don't do it for the medals. Uh, they do it because they want to serve their country, knowing that they could give the ultimate sacrifice. And uh, you know, and you got to remember, most of li- your listeners probably don't even realize we've been at war for 17 years. Mm. People don't even realize it. And we actually have an epidemic going in the military. 22 veterans a day kill themselves. Uh, and that's the other reason why I'm with our mobile crisis team. Uh, we, we may start responding to like the VA hospital. There's been a trend now with veterans going to VA hospitals in the parking lot and committing suicide because they're not getting help that they need. Um, that's a tragedy. When you go serve, you go down range and you serve your country and you come back alive and you can't adjust back to society. So we want to be there for the men and women also. Let me uh, go back to what we started with. Uh, you were announcing you're running again. Uh, for uh, re-election and some of the themes that were developed in the uh, your state of the of the county address, you said that you're changing the way services are delivered in Albany County. How is that? Well, you know, we're really looking at um, the way we deliver services. You know, we've been around over 350 years. So things that worked 50 years ago or 20 years ago or 10 years ago doesn't work. you got to change with the generations. You have to change with people. And you have to, del- you know, uh, we've gone into neighborhoods as a part of my equity agenda. We've gone, we looked at the way we deliver services. We looked at the workers' belief in them services. But then we also are going into communities and saying, well, if you got a program that works, we're going to get behind your program. Uh, you know, so... Really, it's like 
tearing everything apart and rebuilding it. And, uh, you know, it's a lot of pride I take in in doing that. I mean, with all the different national recognized programs that we've been doing, uh, continue to do listening to the people that are collecting these services. And that's the most important thing is listening to the people. And if you listen to them, Bob, you can really make a difference in their lives. Mm. Um, does the effect uh, that uh, cut in aid to municipalities affect counties like you're, they're, they're talking about uh, the aim point, on no, the state level? No, we lost that back in the 90s. So we had, to, we, we had to adjust to that. And that's the other thing. And um, again, the tough thing is as the federal government did its shutdown, and hopefully they avoid another shutdown this Friday, um, or the Friday coming, uh, that basically uh, federal dollars are, are shrinking, state dollars are shrinking. The state has a $2.9 billion deficit. Mm-hmm. Well, where do you think they're going to get that from? They're either going to do it internally or they're going to cut money that they're giving to counties and, and cities and towns. And living in a 2% property tax cap, it's, it's challenging. Um, so uh, you know, we have to be creative at the way we work and we continue to do things. You've been listening to Talk of the Town with our guest, Albany County Executive Dan McCoy. This program can be heard as a podcast on albanymagic.com and bobcudmore.com. Next Sunday's guest will be Chris Katzley, Supervisor of the Town of Glenville. I'm Bob Cudmore.